This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Vladimir Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said Europe narrowly avoided a radiation disaster after the Russian-occupied Zaporizhia nuclear plant was temporarily disconnected from the electricity grid. Backup generators were able to ensure supply after Russian shelling had sparked a fire in a nearby power station, he said. A Russian official blamed Ukrainian forces for the fire. The UN's nuclear watchdog said its officials were very, very close to being able to visit the nuclear plant and assess the situation. A federal judge ruled that America's Department of Justice must release a redacted copy of the affidavit that authorized the raid on Donald Trump's Florida home earlier this month. The DOJ has until midday on Friday to publish the document, which explains why investigators believed a crime may have been committed. The FBI seized hundreds of classified records from the former president's Mar-a-Lago estate during the search. Ofgem Britain's energy watchdog increased the country's energy price cap by 80%, pushing up the typical household's energy bill to £3,549, the equivalent of $4,186 a year. Jonathan Brearley, the regulator's chief executive, said there was no choice but to increase the cap to reflect the soaring price of energy. The new prices will kick in from October 1st. Marsha Blackburn, an American senator, arrived in Taiwan, where she will meet President Tsai Ing-wen. An earlier trip by Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, prompted China to stage its largest ever military exercises around Taiwan. On Thursday, the Taiwanese government proposed to spend more than $19 billion on defence next year, a 15% increase on the current budget. A judge in America ordered Twitter to turn over data from an internal review of spam accounts to Elon Musk. The social media platform analysed 9,000 accounts last year to see how many were run by humans. It must now share the results with Mr Musk, who is trying to walk away from an agreement to buy Twitter for $44 billion. The judge rejected many of Mr Musk's other demands for information, calling them absurdly broad. Prayuth Chanocha, Thailand's suspended prime minister, said he would continue to serve as the country's defence minister. A constitutional court has ordered Mr Prayuth to step down as prime minister as it reviews his term limit. It is unclear when the court will deliver a verdict, but a government spokesperson said the cabinet will continue to function as normal. The Taliban said that 180 people were killed and hundreds more injured by floods in Afghanistan this month in a global appeal for help. Heavy rains wrought widespread devastation in the country's central and eastern provinces, leaving thousands homeless and worsening an already dire economic and humanitarian situation. And fact of the day. $217.1 billion. The amount that American state governments saved in 2021 exceeding the 2019 record by nearly $100 billion. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Joe Biden's long game in Ukraine. America marked Ukraine's Independence Day by announcing its largest package of military aid yet, 
worth about $3 billion, to buy everything from artillery shells to air defense systems. Unusually, the arms will not come from existing arsenals, but will instead be bought from industry. Some might not arrive for three years. The aid will do nothing to break the current stalemate after half a year of fighting. Instead, America is signaling a years-long commitment to Ukraine, thereby seeking to frustrate Russia's hope of prevailing in a drawn-out conflict. Fear of escalation explains America's caution in not sending more potent weapons to Ukraine more quickly. But a long game carries other risks. European allies might break ranks when energy shortages begin to hurt this winter. America's will to bankroll Ukraine may weaken, particularly if America first devotees control Congress after the midterms in November. And a long war will prolong the agony of Ukraine. Italy papers the town with posters. Friday brings the beginning of Italy's general election campaign, the day it becomes legal to smother towns and cities with election posters. Notwithstanding television and social media, flyposting is an important part of Italian elections, as are mass rallies. Polls point to a dramatic outcome. The election, for the first time in post-war Western Europe, of a government led by a party rooted in the traditions of a pre-war dictatorship. The latest surveys give the Brothers of Italy, heirs to the neo-fascist Italian social movement, around 25% of the vote. Their allies in the hard-right Northern League and Silvio Berlusconi's Forza Italia party could together get a further 25%, enough for a commanding parliamentary majority. On Thursday, the outgoing Prime Minister, Mario Draghi, warned his successors that distancing Italy from the EU would weaken its economy and international standing. But Italian voters seem ready to dismiss such fears. A push to pardon Malaysia's jailed former PM Najib Razak has begun his 12-year sentence in prison for graft, but will he serve the time? Loyalists, seemingly unperturbed by the former prime minister's role in a mega-scandal in which $4.5 billion was swiped from Malaysia's state coffers, have mounted protests pushing for a royal pardon. That would let Mr. Najib, a smooth political operator, back into Parliament and back into favor with some voters. His opponents, keen for Malaysia to move on from the corruption that has damaged the country over the six-decade rule of Mr. Najib's party, the United Malays National Organization, are collecting signatures against a pardon. All eyes will now be on King Abdullah, who reigns for the next 18 months in Malaysia's unusual rotational monarchy. The rulers of each of Malaysia's states swap the top job between them. His Majesty is the Sultan of Pahang, Mr. Najib's home state, and the two appear friendly. In the grubby world of Malaysian politics, down never means out. Britain anticipates the chill of winter bills. 
Britons face a bleak winter of steeper energy bills. On Friday, they find out just how pricey energy will be when Ofgem, the regulator, updates its cap on how much energy companies can charge most households for electricity and gas. The war in Ukraine has pushed wholesale gas prices to dizzying heights again. Prices dropped earlier in the summer. The average household's annual bill is likely to rise to around £3,600, $4,260, from October, more than three times the level a year ago. Labor, the main opposition party, says it would freeze annual bills for six months at £1,971 for the typical household, with the government paying the excess. The idea is popular, but expensive and ineffective. The state would pay around $6 billion towards the bills of the top 20% of earners. A better solution is giving rebates or cash bonuses to the poorest, though targeting help effectively is tricky. If done well, that would encourage people to conserve energy, but still insulate those most in need. America's Abortions Bans Proliferate Two months after America's Supreme Court ditched the right to abortion, more states are banning the procedure. Thirteen had so-called trigger laws automatically outlawing abortion after Roe v. Wade was overturned. On Thursday, Tennessee banned abortion without exceptions for rape or incest. Texas also stiffened enforcement of a similar law. Doctors now face minimum fines of $100,000 per termination and risk spending life in prison. But some bans are being fiercely contested. On Wednesday, a judge ruled that Idaho's near-total prohibition, set to take effect this week, violated a federal law requiring hospitals to provide emergency medical care. Court battles have paused abortion bans in Utah, Wyoming, and North Dakota, where one such law had been scheduled to take effect on Friday. Still, the list of states with existing or pending bans continues to lengthen. One in three American women of childbearing age now lives in such a place. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Friday. What was the nickname of Tom Cruise's unfortunate crewmate in the original Top Gun movie. Thursday. Which 1877 novel by Anna Sewell is considered a classic of children's literature? The winners of last week's crossword. Thank you to everyone who took part in our new weekly crossword published in the weekend edition of Espresso. The winners, chosen at random from each continent, were... Asia, Chiao Chen Su, Chiba, Japan, North America, 
Betsy Geist, Seattle, United States. Central and South America, Jorge Ferrando, Santiago, Chile. Europe, Martha Baker, Überlingen, Germany. Africa, Hasit Raja, Nairobi, Kenya. Oceania, Kevin Fernandez, Melbourne, Australia. They all gave the correct answers of Ryla Odinga, Russia, Obama, and Alaska. Check back tomorrow for this week's crossword. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Geraldine Ferraro, who was born on this day in 1935. You don't have to have fought in a war to love peace. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.